We're going to be thinking a little bit tonight about some of the, the deeper implications of, of the Sabbath, the eternal rest that God gives to us in Christ, and, and also the, uh, the moral quality of the Sabbath, that it's a day that's given to us uh, to rest from our evil works, and as we set aside a time for God and for the worship of God, we fill our life with, uh, with the worship of Him and the ways of sin, then uh, uh, take a break, or in other words, practically speaking, we have less time <laughs> to, to engage in sinfulness on the Lord's day. And so Hebrews 4 is a wonderful uh, passage to, to think about some of those things. We're not going to to uh, exposit all of these verses or look in depth um, at any particular passage in Hebrews 4, but just a couple of principles for our catechism lesson tonight and then some things from Isaiah 58 as well. But let us hear from God's word once again, Hebrews 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The grass withers, and the flower fades, the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Our catechism lesson, question 57, in the back of your red uh, hymnal, page 873. Let's read the answers together. Uh, 
Question 57, and, and the answers we'll read together with one voice. Let's consider these things together. The beloved, which is the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment is, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. What is required in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment requireth the keeping holy to God such set times as he hath appointed in his word expressly one whole day and seven to be a holy Sabbath to himself. Which day of the seven hath God appointed to be the weekly Sabbath? From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be the weekly Sabbath and the first day of the week ever since to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. What is forbidden in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment forbiddeth the omission or careless performance of the duties required and the profaning the day by idleness or doing that which is in itself sinful or by unnecessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly employments or recreations. What are the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment? The reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments, his challenging a special propriety in the seventh, his own example, and his blessing the Sabbath day. My wife and I often have the experience or the moment on sometime on Sunday afternoon where we're a bit worn out from kind of trying to get the kids all together and to church and back from church and settled and fed and and set down for naps and then uh, kitchen uh, needs to be wiped down and cleaned up and we kind of all of that sort of happens and maybe we're drinking some coffee and one of us looks at the, the clock and we realize that even though we feel like we've, we've kind of finally sat down uh, for maybe just five minutes, it's about time to start getting ready for, uh, for evening church. 
We have a very small window, we feel like, oftentimes. It gets smaller with each child that appears in between morning and evening church. And uh, to go to, to church at the beginning of the Lord's Day, the close of the Lord's Day, is a, is a great blessing. But it does take intentionality. It does take effort. And it, it is a, a very serious um, challenge at times to order your whole day around it. And the, the temptation, of course, is that it, it's just difficult to give of your time. Everyone feels the, the value of their time. I had this experience uh, this past week where I realized how selfish, I, I'm, I'm often selfish with my time, but I realized how selfish I was being. I was uh, going to someone's house who was moving and they were being kind enough to gift our family a few things as they uh, finished a move. And uh, so I show up to their house on an evening ready to kind of pick up the stuff they're giving me. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of working on something else. And there were some other people at the house as well, kind of helping them move. And, you know, uh, they were moving some of their stuff. And, of course, the, helping someone move is always the ultimate test of friendship. Right? Someone, if someone feels the freedom, hey, can you help me move? They must really, it's really a sign of, of love and endearment that they really like you and, and trust you. Uh, but the, that's the ultimate test of, of friendship. And I was there... And thinking, well, I've come here to, to claim some stuff for myself, but I know I didn't come here to, to help you all move. That's kind of the, the way my heart was feeling in that moment. I realized how selfish I was being. Uh, because we, we feel our time, our efforts uh, are valuable. And uh, to give those to, to someone else sometimes is, is challenging and difficult and a test of our, of our selflessness and our generosity. God demands, it's not an insignificant thing that he demands for us to, to give unto him one-seventh of our days. You think about that, really, in the grand scheme of things, that's many, many hours and, and a lot of effort and, and intentionality. And yet, uh, God is gracious to give us six out of seven that he leaves to us for our employment for other recreations, and indeed in all days we, we give all of them unto the Lord. We're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. Uh, but the demand uh, to take special care uh, about the Lord's Day, if we can begin to see uh, the blessing in it and the joy, the delight that God binds to all of these things, is really an amazing way that Isaiah 58 uh, closes. If you, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if uh, you give that day unto me, if you cease doing what you believe you have pleasure in doing, if you cease ordering that day according to your own desires, then what does he promise at the end? He promises that he will renew for his people the joy of the Lord, true joy, true fellowship, true communion with God, that he gives that blessing for those who are willing to sacrifice of themselves, for those who are willing to lay down perhaps what they think they might rather do or attend to or focus on. If you die to those things and if you make God's delight your delight and if you make God's command your joy, God gives that promise uh, that he will fill your life with the joy and the communion uh, that can only come from him. This commandment, I think for those reasons that we are hesitant to give up of our time, of our resources, of our effort, 
because of that, the Sabbath commandment is often minimized. It's certainly the most challenged. It's, it's the one that people bring up the most to say, do you think that has an abiding uh, validity? So what about that? Is this fourth commandment, is, is it binding upon us? Well, yes, it, it is. And for several reasons, but just a, a couple that we'll mention tonight. It, it's binding upon us because we are commanded to imitate God. And God, from the creation of this world, set up that pattern that he worked for six days and rested for one. We're told in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as beloved children. We are made as God's image. We are his image bearers. We are made to live like him, to, to, to image him. That's the way the Genesis count is presented. God goes out and he's a worker. He's, he's working. He's building things. He's, he's making things. He works for six days. That doesn't mean that your life has to be the exact same thing for uh, the six days that you are working. God does, does different things. But for six days, we intentionally engage in exercising dominion and stewardship over the earth, which God has given to us. He's entrusted those things to us. The seventh day in Genesis, God rests. We read there in Genesis 1 that he sees all that he has made and behold, it is, it is very good. In that sense, he's glorying in his own work. He's, he's pausing, looking at all that, God, that he has done himself, and he is pleased with it. And we are to do the same, not to first look at our own work and to be pleased with it. There is a, a sense in which that comes in our life. We, we can work hard and, and uh, be pleased with the hard work that we do and the, accomplish, the accomplishments that we have. But we are to pause once a week to first take delight in the works of God and all that he has done and all that he has made. Psalm 111, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Do you study the works of God? Do you study all that he has done? Meditate, to reflect, to think deeply. When we do this, uh, we are bringing glory to God. And this is what holy rest is, glorifying God. We are called then to pause from this exercise of dominion and stewardship over the world in order to glorify the maker of this world. So what is the, the Sabbath about? It's about the glory of God and it's about our imitation of God. We imitate God in the pattern that he has set up in Genesis. Also, it's binding upon us because God's moral law does not change. When you hear the fourth commandment, and certainly we recognize that it's cast in the Mosaic law relative to Israel's situation. That's why you have neither you, your son, or your daughter, your manservant, or your maidservant, even the animals, the sojourners and aliens within your gates. Certainly we recognize it's cast within the framework of the law of Moses. But the law of Moses is a true expression of the law of God. And God's law does not change. And so all of the, the basic principles that we have there in the Ten Commandments are binding upon us. This is part of, of God's law. All Christians would agree that everyone is morally bound to give God worship. And how would we do this unless we were intentionally putting aside time to make sure that, uh, that, we, do, that we do worship God? So how and when and in what manner 
should we observe uh, the Sabbath day? Well, of course, it's to be observed for one day out of every seven days perpetually. This is according to God's command. And also because it is in accord with our very nature. God designed us. He built us as his image bearers to both work and rest. And we cannot fight against our nature. I know I've shared this story with you in other uh, Sabbath, Sabbath sermons. Uh, there was a, a neighbor of my, uh, my parents, and uh, I was able to talk with him, get to know him a little bit. He was a boilermaker, and he had it in his mind that he was going to, to fill in the hours. They had the kind of pension that you, you fill in a certain number of hours. And you get to that number of hours, and, and your pension kicks in. So he had it in his mind. He was going to retire after 22 years of work. And in 22 years of work, he was essentially going to fill in 30 to 35 years of normal work. So he told me one day he never took a day off. He, he never took Sundays off. He never took weekends. Perhaps he had a trip here and there, but he was just full go all of the time. Right when he reached about the time where he was going to kick into his retirement and his pension, he basically had a, uh, some kind of a nervous breakdown. And certainly his, uh, his life rhythm played a huge and enormous part of that. Right, when we think, when people convince themselves that they can do that, they can go and go and go, what they're doing is they're fighting against their very nature. God made you to take one day out of seven. It's woven into our biology, our who we are, right down to, to the science of it. God's fingerprints are, are there. So the Sabbath was made for man, as we read in, in Scripture, and we need to be aware of that. The Sabbath was made for man. And it is for our good. Of course, the one day that we observe is to be uh, Sunday. And what has brought about uh, that shift from Saturday to Sunday is Christ and the, the resurrection of Christ, the work of Christ. But centrally, we, we understand that it is the gospel that gives uh, the fullest expression to the Christian Sabbath. And that is what is, uh, is important to understand, that as... The uh, observers of the Christian Sabbath, what we're doing is we are resting first in the finished work of Christ. That's what we do on Sunday. We pause from our worldly labors, earthly recreations, so that we can remember what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And what he has done for us in Jesus Christ is he has accomplished everything that is needed for salvation. So if you go back to the creational uh, order of things... And God works for six days and he enters into his rest after that sixth day of work. He is able to do so because all that he did was righteous and holy and good. Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden in order to do the same thing, to work for six days uh, to have a week of trial, of probation. He was put on trial to keep the, the garden and to guard it and to protect it from evil. And if he had passed the test, he would have entered into a, a Sabbath rest, a, a rest of glory that would have been confirmed to him in, in righteousness and, and even a higher enjoyment of God than what he had. But he did not. And because of the curse and our sinful nature, all of our striving is never going to accomplish uh, for ourselves an ability to enter into a holy, and, uh, holy rest all by ourselves. But the gospel has turned that around 
So we rest on the first day of the week because it is to be our mindset. And certainly, you know, we often feel that either Friday night or Saturday night, depending on our work schedule, that we kind of, we're just exhausted. We've kind of accomplished that week and, and we, we, we kind of finally get to that rest on, on Saturday night. But our mindset is to be different. We, we are to come to church on Sunday saying we are here to rest first in the finished work of Christ to get the assurance that what he has done already has won heaven for us and so we go out to work for the rest of the week because Sunday is the first day of the week we go out to work the rest of the week in light of what has been done for us in light of the fact that justification, righteousness, standing before God, all of that has already been accomplished for us in Christ. And thus, we don't need to think about our lives as some kind of probationary test under God. We live in a covenant of grace. For those who abide in Christ and those who trust in Him and those who are seeking to live in the light of His ways, we can understand and know that God is pleased with us as a Father. He looks upon us with love and and care and He welcomes us unto him. That's what we read about in Hebrews chapter 4. Since we have uh, such a, a great high priest, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. And we can live the Christian life with confidence because we're not seeking every week to be able to enter into some kind of Sabbath rest. No, Christ has already brought about salvation and certainty and assurance. What a blessing it is to have assurance that if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you have faith and repentance, you can be assured that you will be uh, with him forever. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible reality that, that even other uh, sectors of the church or wings of Christendom deny that to people. They say, don't have assurance. You shouldn't have assurance. What a great uh, truth it is that we are to have assurance uh, in Christ. Our Sabbath rest is a, it's a gospel rest and it has changed the rhythm for God's people we rest first and then we we work our sabbath rest is also a a moral rest the heidelberg catechism is probably one of the 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 most profound statements of the sabbath that i found it says second the second point that it makes second that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways and let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. What will we be doing forever? Well, we'll be doing many things and heaven, the new heavens and new earth is very mysterious to us. But one thing we won't be doing is sinning. We praise God for that. We will not be sinning in, in eternity And here our catechism is pointing out to us that something we are to know and to understand that we are to do in Christ is that each and every day we are to rest from our evil works, to put sin and wickedness aside, to kill it, to mortify it. As we considered this morning, put away rampant filthiness and, and wickedness. Every day of my life, I rest from my evil ways, right? Because when we try to work in our own strength, we try to live in our own strength, what we're going to produce is never going to be uh, righteous, it's never going to be uh, in accord with uh, all that God does for us. 
We let the Lord work in me through his spirit, as the catechism says, right? By faith, we put to death the deeds of the flesh and we trust the work of the spirit for God to work in us so that he would produce in us a life which pleases him. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit, because it's only the Holy Spirit that can bring those things about. If you, if you love in a way which honors God and glorifies him, it's the spirit that brings that about. If you have patience that is in accord with God's word and truly glorifies and pleases him, it is the spirit that has brought that about. See, we, we can't produce any true Christian obedience in and of ourselves. But because of that, through that, we can enter into the eternal Sabbath here and now. And that's a, that's a, a way to frame it morally. That as we die unto sin and live unto righteousness, uh, we enter the eternal Sabbath. And we see how Sunday plays such a huge role in that, right? Sunday is that, that central day that equips us to then all of the other days to rest from our evil works and to live in ways which please and, and glorify God. And we, we do that because we understand and know that this is where God has placed his blessing. He's commanded us to, to observe this day. So there's a, a special quality. God has added his blessing to it, as we read in, in, uh, in the catechism. And if I tell my, my children that there's a, a special surprise for them in the living room, then they're not going to run into the basement. They're saying, okay, he told us where it is. That's where we're going. We're going to go see, see it there. God has said, I have placed my blessing upon my people coming together on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day, for the preaching of the word, for the administration and observance of, of the sacraments, for the fellowship of the saints. God has placed his blessing there. And that is why it is, it is dangerous, it is risky, it is wrong when people say, okay, I don't I don't need church on Sunday. I can kind of form and fashion and shape my own approach to the Christian life however I want. You know, maybe I have a, a Bible study on this night or you know, a fellowship group on this night. Now, those things can be wonderful things. Those are great things. But, but when it's done in place of something else, it is very dangerous. And God has said that he has sanctified and blessed this and calls us to sanctify it, and, uh, and to keep it. Read in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, there are uh, different nuances and, and, and uh, things being placed before us there. Right? For we who have believed have entered that rest. It says, since therefore it remains for some to, to enter this rest, and those who formerly received the goodness failed to enter because of disobedience. There was, uh, that is why they were not able to enter into the promised land as they were wandering through the wilderness. So we see that there's this moral quality uh, to the Sabbath day. We also see there is a, a call to, to listen in Hebrews chapter 4. Listen. Now what is that ultimately alluding to? Well, where is, does Hebrews 4 eventually build up 
towards? Well, it builds up towards verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the, to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But the word of God is a, is a living thing. It, it uh, works inside of God's people according to the power of the Spirit. And we need to have this trust that God's word being exalted, being lifted up in the midst of God's people on the Lord's day, attached to God's blessing, that's where we would expect that God will grow and sanctify his people. That's where disciples will be made. That is the home base. So there may be other great things that we can engage in, but none of those things should ever be done uh, with at the sacrifice of the Lord's day. And that is why in our tradition we have emphasized both morning and evening worship. If you think about the whole day as given unto the Lord, it is natural, it is fitting. You know, there is no, we don't have chapter and verse that says you must gather on the morning and the evening. There are some clues, just like we read tonight, uh, in regards to Praising God from the rising of the sun to its setting. Psalm 92, a psalm for the Sabbath. But there's no chapter and verse that says you must gather the morning and the evening. But it's a way for us to show that we expect God to work in our hearts. To work in his church. To build us up. For that is where we have found his, or where, where we expect to find his blessing. And we see it not as a burdensome thing. But we see it as a delight. Isaiah 58, once again, call the Sabbath a delight. If you die to those pleasures, to those things that you think you want, to use the time how you want, if you listen to my voice, and if you take pleasure in the things that I call you to take pleasure in, there you will find the joy of the Lord. So in closing then, we ought to prepare uh, for the Sabbath day. The Jews called Friday the day of preparation before the Sabbath because we need to be intentional about ordering our affairs, getting life in order so that we can truly take a break from all of it. We ought to seek to get good rest on, on Saturday night. We ought to pray to the Lord to, to bless and, and sanctify the day that we give unto him. We pray for the pastor and his preparations of the sermon, that he, it might be in accordance with, with the truth. We pray for an increased desire to delight in, in the day. So we prepare and we observe. Right? We, we observe the Sabbath by resting from our worldly vocations, so that God might work in us. And people say, well, this is a day of rest, so maybe we should just sleep and rest all day. It's, it's a day of intense effort so that God might work in us. So we have to uh, engage in spiritual duties. We ought to seek to listen and receive the word of God. So there is work that's being done, but it's a different kind of work. We ought to attend public worship as we spoke uh, about earlier. That's where we expect to find God's blessing. We ought to in engage in works of mercy to visit the sick and, and shut in. To give them something what you have received because they have, have not. And so we, we take some of that 
that blessing that we have received from God's word, a truth from God's word, and we, and we share it in works of mercy. We ought to enjoy uh, the fellowship of God's people. Uh, we ought to give unto the work of the church and the kingdom or sacred causes uh, in order to um, show forth our thankfulness unto God. And then we ought to reflect. So we prepare for this day, we observe this day, and then we reflect. None of our keeping will ever be perfect. So we ought to reflect if, if, uh, whether or not we, we have done something that um, perhaps was, was wrong or incorrect. We ought to reflect on the, the, the good things that we have done on a Sabbath day. But even more so, we reflect on the good that God has done in you. Right? Has he made you more satisfied in him today? Do you feel a, a, more of a, a warmth of love for Christ and for your God today? We should reflect each Sunday on how wonderful it is that God has given to us this day. Right? Imagine the despair of working on and on and on and never getting a rest. Imagine that, that there's, just, there's really no end in sight. Ancient uh, empires sometimes would do this. Uh, they, would, they would not give days of rest uh, to, their, uh, to their slaves, to their servants. And imagine the despair of just never knowing when a day is going to come where you don't have to do the same thing over and over and over again. God, in creating this world, gave that blessing, that gift to us that allows us to call the Sabbath of, uh, a delight. And then finally, reflect on the glory of the coming Sabbath. Reflect on the glory of the new creation where there will be no sin. As you're reminded of the ugliness of sin. As you're uh, reminded of, of just how much it tears people apart. Of how much it introduces problems into our lives. Reflect on the wonderful truth that we will one day be free from sin. And we will no longer sin. Reflect on the glory of the coming Sabbath. And ask that the Lord would give, it, uh, give that sense unto you. So that you may rest from your evil ways more and more. So that you may press on towards the upward call of the prize. Of, of gaining Christ. And the eternal Sabbath rest that he gives to us in him. Reflect and be thankful for that gospel rhythm. That as Christians... We rest on the first day of the week as a symbolic way of remembering Christ has accomplished redemption for us. And so this is a day ultimately of faith and of trust, of looking to your Savior, of resting in Him so that you can live for the glory of God and the power of the Spirit all the rest of the days of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you and we ask that you would uh, impress these things upon us as we seek to, uh, to honor you with our lives. And uh, we're thankful for this day. It is uh, sometimes difficult, a challenge uh, to do it well. And we pray for your grace and your help as we seek to do it. But might we call this day a delight, a day in which you refresh our souls, knowing that we are not just bodies, are not just minds, but we are souls, and we, uh, we need that help that you give to us. So we thank you for Christ, and we pray in his name. Amen. Let's uh, sing number 174 in the Psalter hymnal, Teach Thou Us.